This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello everyone and welcome along to Liverpool Echo's post-game podcast with me, Patrick Smith, after Liverpool made it two wins from two matches in the Europa League with a routine 2-0 win over Belgian side Union Sanjara. It wasn't the most scintillating of performances, with the Reds not needing to move out of second gear, with Ryan Gravenberch's first Liverpool goal opening the scoring before Diogo Jota sealed the win with a late finish on the counter. Reaction tonight comes from the Liverpool Echo's Paul Gores from the Anfield press box, Jurgen Klopp's thoughts from the dugout and the view from the cop returns with some fan reaction. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool have made the back-to-back wins in Group E of the Europa League after a 2-0 win. Here against the Belgians, Union Saint-Gilois. Um, goals at either end of the first and the second half from Ryan Gravenberch and Diogo Jota have done the business for the Reds as they move up to six points in Group E and look to really start to take control of the group and get out of the group stages at the first time of asking. You'd imagine that Jürgen Klopp, uh, who has heavily rotated in this competition so far, will continue to do that until uh, Liverpool are safe and secure. And Liverpool have now actually won 13 of the last 14 uh, group stage competitions in UEFA uh, football going back to the start of the 21-22 um, season so it's a really strong record the only game they could have lost in that time or haven't won rather was the defeat at Napoli 13 months ago but um, this was never really in doubt Liverpool started quite well Darwin Nunes should have scored Mohamed Salah should have scored before Gravenberch stuck away his first goal at the Anfield Road end at the death of the first half uh, Klopp made three uh, changes at the break, Votaro uh, Endo, uh, Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah all came off. Um, that was, uh, you know, Klopp made three changes at the break but he made nine. To begin with it would have been ten had Cuevan Kelleher been uh, permitted to play but he's got a knee injury so Alisson Becker kept goal. Trent Alexander-Arnold returned to captain the side on his first half for over a month but uh, other than that it was very much a similar team to what started against Lask a couple of weeks back, the same midfield three. Gavinberts alongside Elliot and Endo, but um, that's the kind of beauty that Liverpool have at the moment and that Klopp has uh, plenty of options at his disposal and when he is making these amounts of changes it never really looks like a um, scratch side or one that really shouldn't be put together. It was a strong squad that Liverpool have gotten so approved in the second half. Um, he brought on the likes of Curtis Jones and Dominic Zabozlai, Joe Gomez, Luis Diaz, but um, it was Giotta who um, made the game safe in the second half. As the game sort of got into the final third, USG started to sense maybe a little bit of a surprise or shock leveller, but um, couldn't really create too many openings against um, Ibrahim Akanate and Jarrell Kwanzaa on his first start for Liverpool in Europe. It was an um, impressive performance from the young defender. And um, <clears throat> alongside Kanate, he shone. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, as I say, on his first start for over a month, he was good. Um, when he was on the pitch, he obviously came off in the second half for Gomez. And um, other than that, it was a fairly routine, ordinary, mundane um, victory in front of the home crowd. It was something that many expected, and it was one that Liverpool have delivered on. Jota made the 2-0, um, made the result safe and secure in stoppage time. After a decent break involving Diaz and Jota, stayed home with his left foot to make sure that Liverpool have made it back-to-back victories in Group E. Um, next up for them in the Europa League, it's Toulouse um, in November, but... For now, it says uh, Brighton on Sunday afternoon. That will be a real test of their credentials as they go there without the suspended Jota and Jones and uh, obviously the injured Cody Gakpo and Thiago Alcantara. But 
the beauty of this new look Liverpool team is they have a real strength and depth with the squad and we shall see how Klopp approaches that one. But for now, it's finished here at um, Anfield Liverpool 2, USG 0. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Uh, Jürgen, the win obviously puts you five points clear of third place in the group, so really strong position to wrap up qualification early. Was the other game a draw? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know. Was it, yeah. It was 1-0. 1-0 to lose. Yeah. How is it then five points clear from what? So you, you, you what, points you're five points clear of Union, who are third. Oh, Union. Yeah, uh, to lose one, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So top two go through, obviously. <laughs> anyway, it's probably not a vintage performance in terms of what we've seen in Europe before, but again, you showed that ability to get the job done and just wonder what you liked about what you saw tonight. The style and the result. Um, and the goals, the chances we created. What I didn't like was that we lost rhythm after 25 minutes. I don't know exactly, I didn't look at it on the watch. Um, it's very difficult to keep the rhythm in a game like this, but it's it's as important, uh, as very important. And um, yeah, it's clear we should have scored before. Um, we should have been 2 0 up when we scored a goal. Scored late, that's fine. Made it a vintage, whatever you want to call it, uh, mature, um, professional performance. Got the result uh, we wanted and know we can do better. But on top of that, a lot of good individual things I saw, good performances, trend back, um, Kwanzaa first, international game, really good. Costi much improved, Ibu long, 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 really good. So we could share with our, pro- our situation now because for Sunday we have only for our fantastic five, only three players left for the front line. So we we, we true share. So plenty of positives. Um, but yes, yeah, it, it could have been better as well. So um, and it, it, we we should better play better um, and use our chances more often if we wanna um, be successful in a competition. That's clear. But I'm not. Angry or concerned or whatever, it's just how it is for today. It was it was like that, and we know we we have to do better. That's it. Another positive was obviously Ryan Gravenberg's first yeah. Liverpool goal as well. But there were more promising signs than just oh, that yeah. goal as well. Yeah. So he seems to be getting up to speed pretty quick. What are you seeing from him? Yeah, exactly that. Um, I think it's really obvious how good he is. What a, what a talent he is. He's enjoying the situation, enjoying himself. That's very important. Get step by step. All the confidence back, um, that's really cool to see. He's in the middle of the group, fits really well to the age group of, of, of the majority of the squad. So that's that's really, that's good. That's only that's only positive. We, we thought he might be able to play 90, we want to give him 90, but then we saw now it, it dropped a little bit and didn't want to go there any risk. So that's why we brought in Dom um, for a few minutes. Um, no, but good, Very goes, everything goes in the right direction. That's really helpful. Next one, anyone? Here's a microphone. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can just on Diogo after the week he's had. Were you pleased to see him get get get, get the goal and also just the, the whole? Yeah. How have you? How has he dealt with it and the situation? Very good. How should he deal with it? Um, 
so I, I, I knew that will it be it will be difficult when I yesterday spoke about this, uh, the, the the other game I knew and you proved me again everybody uh, just how it, how the world is um, I think everybody was here heard what I said but everybody everybody understood what obviously something else <laughs> it's okay but if I if I made the impression yesterday that I was still in the game against Tottenham I was not at all that's long ago. We are over that. That's fine, and that's how that Yogo is that as well. And Joel could have played tonight because he's over it as well. So that's all fine. We are not no children or whatever. Um, we just had a had a few questions to answer and did that, and that's it. And from um, from a focus point of view, um, it was not a problem to focus on the game. I would say in the game it was a problem to keep focus keep being focused because that's how it looked a little bit we, I, I, we got a bit sluggish and stuff like this I didn't like that too much but that has obviously neither with Diogo or, or nor with the team anything to do with the last game or the last week it's just because that's a challenge in football anyway Chris. Uh, just on uh, Endo Jürgen, was that a plan to take him yeah. off after 45 he didn't yeah, have an three, injury all three subs were planned if we could do it that was the idea. If we can do it and nobody else has problems, then we'll scale these three boys go off. Jürgen, yeah. um, on Jarrell Kwanzaa, as you say, had a fantastic game today, but I really enjoyed his battle with Rodriguez after he came on, how physical he was. How important is it that that's a trait that he's already got at such a young age to be able to really battle against quick physical centre forwards? Yeah, that's part of development. That's uh, if, you, if you are not ready for them, then it's difficult to play. <laughs> to be honest, in adult football, but I, I was not in doubt about that. That he is ready for that. It was, and it's all up because of him. It was not a difficult decision for us to to line him up tonight. Still young. We have a really good football team together. Means he will get minutes and he will play. U21s as well, stuff like this. So, but it's nice to see. It's a joy to watch his development since now he since he's properly with us. He's a really good footballer on the ball. He's outstanding, and the the chance of Mo in the first half, he would have got the assist. It was a, it was top defending, really quick thinking, stepping into it. Um, so yeah, probably he feels rather good. I would say tonight. Rightly so. Dave, for this for this one, I'll write. Yeah, go on. Jürgen, I think one of the the most impressive things is that you've been able to completely change the side in in midweek, and you're not really seeing sort of a drop off. And I, I guess that's like must be a real encouragement for I, you. I wouldn't say you didn't see a drop. It's not because of different formations. It's just the game is now not a steady development in the right direction. But that was now at Tottenham. It was not perfect as well. So it was just tough. With 10 men, with 9 men, it's obviously not easy. And you cannot really compare it with other games. But no, I'm, I'm, I said it before. I'm, so, but always when we speak about these kind of things, a week later we, have, we miss five players. So this time we, we spoke so many times. Everybody told me... Uh, Five strikers, um, plus a talent, stuff like this, fantastic. So for the weekend we have three, and one is out for a while, and the other one, okay, is then back again. But that's that's how it is. So that's that's what we need to have. How can we now stand here with not having an injury crisis, what we don't have in the moment? 
hopefully it stays like that. Um, and not changing a team, we need a specific amount of players for four competitions, that's what we have. Um, and I'm really happy with that, absolutely. Um, but we changed, I think, nine times tonight. So it would have been ten. If Kweef could have played, it would have been ten. Um, but, um, yeah, good, important, um, necessary, because we play in four competitions. Right, we'll move on to the Brighton preview. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 2-0 win in the Europa League against uninspiring opposition. A 2-0 win is good enough, isn't it? Certainly what we wanted gets the three points. It wasn't the most impressive display we've ever seen, but a good opportunity for various players to continue their education. Uh, those that have just arrived at the club and are still learning how to play the Jürgen way. I'm I'm left pondering... Darwin Nunez, though, as I as I have done quite a few times since he arrived at the club, his contribution in that first forty five minutes was to to be offside for a goal that he or for a, a chance that he did put over the line, but was only to be ruled out because he drifted into an offside position. Um, a gaping open goal that he missed, and um, a ball that came over the top, which he took down very well, and then. Uh, from a difficult angle, hit the ball straight at the keeper. Not much more he could have done with that angle. Um, the touch was 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 good enough, I think. But it's the gaping goal that he missed, which um, which continues to worry me. Is it a confidence thing? Is it a concentration thing? It it just doesn't seem to me that we can trust him in big games I mean against this kind of opposition okay so he misses that we still win 2-0 how are we going to feel when he does that against Manchester City or against Arsenal or really any team in the Premier League games are so tight these days that you just can't afford to not put chances like that away and um, as much as he does wonderful things you know you can pinpoint the Newcastle game he continues to do things like that and and I think in that situation, with the personnel we had up front, if I'd have been Jurgen, I think I'd have switched things around immediately. Because if he's if he's not on song in front of goal, then allow his attributes to you know be put on show elsewhere. I'd put him down the left wing and put Jota in the middle. Jota can finish. We've we've seen him do that many times. Sending Nunez down the left hand side. He's such a a quick athlete and he's such a sort of spiky player to mark isn't he all elbows and knees and got great pace and strength it's in that situation where perhaps he's he's going to be a little bit more or contribute a little bit more to the team when we've got a goal poacher like Diogo Jota who could go in the middle and and perhaps do a better job in front of goal look it's not easy and I'm not I'm not trying to claim that that is the the best solution, but he continues to he continues to generate problems, doesn't he, Darwin? And we we can't rely on him. I think will he get better? Will he improve? We're still young, and there's still a lot of coaching there. But I think this is why he's not first on the first on the team list for every game. And I think 
I think he's going to continue to struggle to get into that into that first team and therefore will continue to be on the periphery of things. On the plus side, I thought Gravenberch had a, a good game. Good stature, hasn't he? And he's, he, he seems to be uh, enjoying his football as well. Nice to see him score. And we do have good options, don't we, in midfield now. And it'll be interesting to see um, how Jürgen moulds him and exactly what position he finds himself in eventually. I thought Trent also seemed to relish uh, the captain's role once again and looking more and more comfortable uh, and confident in in that inverted position. Also, Kwanzaa looked good, didn't he? Not tested uh, to the extent that he might be against a better opposition, but still young and has got a long way to go. But he's showing all the signs. And you wonder who we might have bought in the summer that would have given us that kind of profile and that kind of potential at such a young age. Um, it's really, really good to see him there alongside Conate, who I think also had a, a good game. Must say I wasn't particularly excited by the prospect of Europa League football, but it, it is nice to see some of the players who are on the fringe of the side getting a good run out. It's it's entertaining to see them see their potential coming along. And um, you know, this it could be a good thing for Liverpool's long-term future to give these uh, peripheral players uh, more of a run in the side. And uh, as this tournament goes on, I think hopefully we'll see we'll see these players mature and Liverpool's squad depth hopefully will get even better as a result of taking part in this one. One final really, really touchy thing. Diogo Jota's celebration looks nice, doesn't it? Takes the arrow from the imaginary pack of arrows over his shoulder, puts it in the string of his bow, pulls back the string, Let's go of the string and let's go of the bow at the same time, which could cause severe problems for him. Hold on to the bow, Diogo. Hold on to the bow. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Well, that that was a, a pretty forgettable <laughs> performance from Liverpool. And it won't be one that will be remembered in, in the coming years. But I suppose, you know, Liverpool ends up getting the result 2-0 in the Europa League at Anfield. In what was, and you can understand as well. I mean, listen, Liverpool are playing in a second-rate European competition this season, especially in the the early rounds of the group stages, and you can see that little edges off the players in terms of there being real meaning to the game, and Liverpool just needing to step up the gears to be superior to the opposition and eventually win the game. Liverpool were as poor as they can possibly be, I suppose, today, but yet have won the game because they ultimately a mistake from the opposition for the first goal and then a touch of quality from Diogo Jota in his first touch to get it out of his feet and clinically finish the ball for the last one and they're the kind of things that can make the difference when you have simply better players than the opposition for as average as Liverpool were throughout the game but I suppose the the big thing I'm thinking about sort of from this week rather than today's game is the makeup of Liverpool's midfield without Curtis Jones who of course was sent off in the last Premier League fixture against Tottenham and is going to save a free match suspension. And I think it's a massive blow for Liverpool. I mean, I've mentioned on numerous occasions on this podcast how much of a big fan I am of Curtis Jones. And I think he's been massive in Liverpool, improving their performances and ultimately coming into a, a period 
towards the back end of last season and this season where they're able to obtain results from games but also have a better standard of performance on the whole than what transpired before that with the majority of last season. And one of the reasons for that is because of his position within the team when Liverpool have the ball to start with because Liverpool now playing a, a square in midfield of two deeper players in possession and two higher players operating in eight and a half or ten positions, whatever you want to call them, with Curtis Jones to the left of that. And for this season anyway, Sabozlai to the right-hand side. And it's been ideal for Curtis Jones because previously for Liverpool, it's been really difficult to try and find him in a position where he could you could bring the best out of him. He's been a player who's been brought up through the youth ranks, playing a lot higher off the left-hand side of a front three or in a number 10 position. His natural inclination is to be able to play in them higher areas of the pitch. But in Liverpool's previous system, the 4-3-3 in possession, when they had one single player as the deepest player, those players in the side of that, the interior players, the inside right and the inside left, were tasked with much more defensive duty and being more of balanced players in Liverpool's team, which seeing Curtis Jones obviously have to operate in deeper areas in possession and also out of possession, be much more disciplined and act as much more of a a cover support and balance player when Liverpool don't have the, the ball and be much more aware of his defensive surroundings in the deeper areas of the pitch. Now fast forward to the changing system and you've seen Curtis Jones operate a lot higher, which gives him the licence to be able to receive the ball in the pockets of space between the lines in the higher area of the pitch. And one thing we know about Jones is his fantastic ability to be able to keep the ball under pressure. And it's really aided Liverpool because when you have risk takers in Liverpool's side, such as, for example, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who is so decisive in the way he plays, so vertical in the way he plays. You need balanced players within that, and Curtis Jones has been brilliant. And I don't, I think I'm right in saying, in terms of the Premier League and midfield players, there's no player who's statistically better at keeping the ball than Curtis Jones other than Rodri. Now, when you think Rodri operates in them deeper areas for Manchester City where there's more time and space to, able, to be able to receive possession and Jones is operating higher, it really shows you how much of a fulcrum and how much of a sticking point he's been for Liverpool in the final third to allow them to, to retain possession and ultimately play in higher areas of the pitch. But not only that, out of possession, when Liverpool surrendered the ball straight away and in the counter-press, he's been one of most, Liverpool's most valuable players. He's an absolute physical monster without the ball in the way he can cover ground. His physicality to, to, to win the ball back, cut off passing lanes. So for all of them aspects, he's going to be massively missed by Liverpool. I, I really do believe he's a massively important player and he's only getting better and better. And to be without him for three games, and especially going into a game against Brighton where retaining the ball will be so important against the organised press that you're going to face from Brighton. I think it's even more of a loss. And it'll be interesting now to see the identity of the player who, who ultimately replaces him because stylistically, I suppose, in, in being able to retain the ball in higher areas of the pitch, Harvey Elliott would be the player who's most suited to that. However, of course, we know that Elliott plays majority of his time off the right-hand side, that inside-right position, which is obviously occupied by Sabozlai at this moment in time. So I don't see that as, even though, stylistically in terms of player profile to be able to retain possession under pressure Elliot would be the choice in there 
because of the makeup of the side in which he plays off in comparison to Jones and obviously Sabozlai and the great success he's had on that right-hand side and being probably one of Liverpool's best players so far, you don't really want to shake up the system and the equilibrium that much. Not only would you be losing Jones, but you'd also be then shifting it what's been one of your best players and one of the most important players for you in Sabozlai to the, to the other side of the pitch, which again, I suppose, can cause destabilisation in the team. And then you had Graham Gravenberg, who's came in today into Liverpool's side, obviously scored the winning goal. Not much to say about that, just a goalkeeping error. And he would be, I suppose, positionally-wise, the most suited player to come in. I mean, this idea that he was going to play in a deeper position when he started, I've never seen that in his profile since he started for Liverpool. I would be very surprised if he played in deeper areas of the pitch whatsoever. You can see he's a player who's much more comfortable, higher in-between bodies, in that sort of left half space that, that Jones occupies. But with Gravenberg at the moment, you've seen flashes of him really having really good technique, being able to manipulate the ball in tight spaces. And also because of his physical profile, you think that he has some replications of what Jones could potentially offer in there. But I think the big difference that I've seen in the two players so far is Gravenberg sorry, is much more often likely to not be able to retain the ball under pressure. He's, he's very much a player who plays a little more vertically in that sense. And whether that would be stylistically, especially against Brighton, someone that you want to bring into that role, being different to Jones in the way he's able to retain possession under pressure to be, be an interesting one. I know Gravenberg as well is sort of building up his military. He didn't play much at all last season. And you can see the way that he's sort of being drip-fed into Liverpool's side in terms of the minutes he's accumulating. But I think positionally-wise, he would be the one playing off that inside left a little bit higher because essentially that looks like it's his position. Now his big problem is going to be Jones because for me at this moment in time anyway, obviously Jones is the, is the superior player in that role. But in the short term, you would think it would probably be him. And another reason I say that is because I think Jürgen Klopp will be inclined to keep Alexis in that deeper position I look at today with Endo coming off after 45 minutes. Is Endo going to be that player who is more of a sort of facilitator for the later part of games to try and shore up games and be a player who rest, whose availability is to rest legs for for the more important, if you like, or players who are going to play more minutes in that midfield position over the course of a season. I think, obviously, Endo will rest the legs of players in, in the cup competitions in the Europa League of what I've seen of his sort of profile so far. So I would expect Alexis to still play in that deeper role to keep that continuity, even though I don't think Alexis, and I'm a massive fan of his, but I actually don't think he's been at his best for Liverpool in the opening weeks of the season. I think he's obviously been a massive upgrade in what Liverpool had there previously last season, but I think there's an awful lot more to come from him. I think one of the things which will, will help him also is, with Alexander-Arnold's availability being back, is that that ability to build as a double two in midfield when Liverpool are in possession because we know that the alternative to Alexander-Arnold is Joe Gomez and that creates its own problem because he's not the same capable of playing with that pressure from multiple sides and Liverpool then very much at times are building up with that one player in midfield with Alexis which again is not the ideal for Alexis a player who plays in, in shorter spaces and, and who is unlikely or less likely to be able to progress the ball through maybe longer range passing or having a different tool set to be able to, to play through round or over he's much more of a combination player in the short spaces probably more liking him to play in the higher role but I don't see that being the case in these over, over, opening weeks of the season regardless of Jones's absence I do believe that the continuity we want to keep with, with Alexis playing behind the ball 
supported by the fact that Alexander-Arnold is then available because that is more of a good mix in the sense that Alexander-Arnold can progress the ball multiple ways. There's probably no better in the league. And then Alexis can be that more calculated, shorter passer to have a good contrast in the build-up rather than playing a full-back in there who's, who's not going to be as comfortable being able to play forward, play with the pressure from the sides and ultimately just not as comfortable playing in amongst the bodies, which hopefully that double combination will help Alexis in the way it did when he played in that deeper sort of two with Moises Caicedo at times at Brighton. So it'll be interesting to see who takes up that Curtis Jones absence within Liverpool's midfield between the players I've just mentioned and I think it could go a long way the success of whoever plays in that position could go a long way to determining the next few weeks because ultimately Liverpool are losing a really important player for them and need someone to step up in his absence, albeit it'll obviously be a different style of player, whoever that player turns out to be. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.